one thing that you might find time and time again, especially with people that wrap their identities into work, is there are oftentimes what we call core beliefs or fundamental foundational beliefs that we carry about ourselves, people around us, or the world around us as a whole. So oftentimes our negative core beliefs are part of what drives us to pursue all of these different ambitions and find our identity and things that can cause us to fall into these unhealthy cycles and loops. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our business, grow our leadership and develop our teams in a way that allows us to get our products and services out of the world yet still remain profitable? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Hey, before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Chris, really excited about today's podcast. It's different. We've not done a podcast like this before. And I know when you and I were first initially talking about launching the podcast, and you mentioned that you wanted to have John on the podcast. I didn't know exactly where that was going to fit in, but honestly, coming right after coronavirus and what everybody's been thinking, I think the timing of this is perfect. The reality is business is complex. And the part that often gets the most overlooked is the mental side of the business and your mental health. And we just cover a lot of topics. Honestly, it's very interesting to me. Admittedly, five years ago, eight years ago, I didn't think about this. But now as I've gotten older and have kids running multiple businesses, it's a challenge. It really is a challenge. And so we talk about certainly mental health and about getting burned out and work-life balance and just not having your identity wrapped up into performance. And honestly, I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to this. Chris, obviously, you were excited about having him on. I think he did a fantastic job. What's a couple of things you picked up? Man, I'm a big fan of John. He's an incredibly knowledgeable person who works with a lot of heavy hitters here out of the Washington, D.C. area. And I just love how he came here and shed light on something that's constantly overlooked, which is mental health, you know, because when you're running a business, they just say, go, 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 and don't stop. But it's important to take care of yourself. It's important to take care of your physical health and your mental health. And I just love how John comes here and tells us exactly how to do that. So without further ado, let's get into it. Google makes it easy. Swap a card, pay for marketing. Sure, you get a few more phone calls, but they have nothing to do with your business. The truth is Google can't understand the buyer's intent. Enter Matt and Maddie Jonza, the husband-wife duo adding intention to your online marketing game. As a State Farm agent himself, Matt built his business by maximizing the volume and quality of inbound calls. His success led to the creation of DirectClicks, a company helping insurance agents across the country grow their business through online campaigns. They focus on Google ads, so you don't have to spread your budget across the internet. With attention to detail and transparency, they provide monthly review calls, exclusivity, and the lowest cost per click. So before you swap that card, contact Matt and Maddie Jonesa at directclicksinc.com. Again, that's directclicksinc.com. John, thanks for coming on the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. We're really excited to have you today. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. So I've just met you myself, but for all of our listeners across the country, can you just give a little bit of your background and what led you to doing what you do today? Yeah. So my name is Jonathan Lee. I'm a licensed professional counselor in Maryland. 
I actually recently opened up my own private practice in Bethesda, Maryland, and I work predominantly with couples. I specialize in infidelity and conflict management skills. And counseling is something that I've always wanted to do ever since pretty much middle school. I've always been sort of the go-to person for friends whenever they needed to talk about problems. And since high school, I've pretty much had my feet kind of dipped into the water of the mental health field in some capacity. I remember my first job was working at the University of Maryland's counseling center. I'd helped an old lady carry boxes to her office and she just happened to work at the counseling center and invited me to come on board with her. And from there, I started interning and I worked at a crisis center afterwards. And I've kind of gone through the whole spiel between suicide intervention, crisis management, community mental health, substance abuse, nonprofit, and then eventually private practice. And one day I came to a point where I just figured, okay, well, I definitely have the entrepreneurial spirit to kind of pursue this on my own. So I decided to launch my own practice and work with couples more independently. Wow. I mean, first of all, I'm not going to share your age right now, but you've done all of this in such a short amount of time, which is amazing. And every time that I speak to you, I can't help but being inspired and amazed. Speaking of opening and running a business, as you know, our podcast is mainly tailored to business owners mm-hmm. and some who are just opening up, others who have a business that's been running for a while. But when it comes to opening and running a business, self-care can go out the window. So what do you suggest to business owners that that might be the case? Yeah. So this is actually a conversation that I have with a lot of the people that I interact with in my caseload throughout the week, because a lot of the couples that I work with, one or the other partner will oftentimes be a business owner. So I work with a lot of different professionals throughout the DMV area in their own sort of stages in life, working through different issues. One thing I frequently find myself talking about time and time again is the idea of maintaining holistic health and well-being. So what I mean by that is, from a clinical standpoint, we look at three primary areas of health and well-being, biological, psychological, and social health. So whenever that phrase of work-life balance comes into play in conversation, I oftentimes find myself talking to a lot of my clients about what does it look like to create goals for yourself so that you are frequently tailoring to and creating tangible goals for each of these three primary areas in your own life? And what does it look like for you to maintain ongoing self-care goals so that your personal needs are met outside of the work performance-based dynamic? All right. So I was super excited whenever Chris had mentioned that we were going to have you on. So this is great because this is going to help me. And then I think it's going to help so many of our listeners. I mean, they're small business owners. They're very driven people and work can almost consume them at times. I mean, it does me. Why is it so hard? I was actually on a coaching call this morning with an owner. And whenever I introduced the concept of him just basically taking effectively a a day off, completely a day off, a free day on a Saturday, he just could not grasp that concept of really being able to disconnect, not answering a text message, an email, not looking at his work emails, et cetera. Why is that so hard for us to do as driven, results-oriented people to be able to take one day off, let alone maybe two or three days off? Why is that so difficult to actually pull off? That's a great question. And I oftentimes get that question asked to me all the time. Quite honestly, what it comes down to at the end of the day is expectations. Oftentimes, a lot of people come into business and start their own business with unrealistic expectations for themselves. 
So what I mean by that is sometimes people set certain types of expectations that are centered on, okay, I want to generate this particular revenue by the end of this year. But realistically, in order for me to do that, I have to work seven days a week instead of six. And I'm not going to give myself permission to take some time off. And when you start to allow your financial ambitions and your business ambitions to override and you prioritize those particular goals over your own self-care and your own personal needs, that's when you start to find yourself falling into the cyclical pattern and this trap over and over and over again. So at the end of the day, it comes back to realistic expectations, but also what are your values and what are your intrinsic motivations at the end of the day? I know you guys had recently had a podcast as well where someone was talking about qualities of a winning culture in a work dynamic, right? And part of what that particular person was talking about was the importance of communicating what your needs are in a workplace environment. But the reality is you can't communicate your own needs and expectations if you don't take the time to assess them for yourself and allow yourself to get to a place of self-awareness mm. and recognizing that, hey, this is what is required of me in order for me to achieve a sense of happiness apart from work. And in order for me to do this, I need to take two days off. I need to allow my self-care regimen to consist of this versus that. And that's kind of where the biological, psychological, and social components kind of come into play to kind of maintain that holistic sense of creating goals for yourself. Mine blown. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, 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 this is all great stuff. I mean, I hear you talk and it's just, I don't know, like I said, literally like blowing my mind. It's connecting the dots and each dot is like a book that I've read. And then you speaking, is just like, boom, 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 just putting it all together. So thank you for sharing that. So I guess my next question would be, let's say that somebody is in the process of opening up a business. Like, how do you recommend that they mentally prepare themselves to set goals and to have a routine that's going to allow them to not fall into maybe a poor self-care routine that can just be, you know, like I've been in situations like that where it's just you're high, then you're low, then you're high, then you're low, and then it's just hard to get out of it. So Yeah, that's a great question. So one activity that I do with my clients, and I'm not your typical traditional therapist in that I just sit and talk all the time. I tend to kind of integrate multi-sensory activities and exercises with people that I work with so that you can engage different parts of the brain and retain information more effectively. But one activity that I find helpful to do, especially with incoming business owners, is remember the three areas that I just previously referenced, biological, psychological, and social health. If we go back to third grade, you probably remember doing the diagrams, right? where we compare and contrast different topics or subject areas based on similarities and differences. What I'll do with couples sometimes, or even like individuals and business owners, is we'll create a triple Venn diagram, and we'll have three overlapping circles, where each circle represents one of the three encompassing areas of health that I mentioned, biological, psychological, and social. And what I'll have people do is I'll have them color code. So let's say we pick blue and red. In blue, you're going to write out and bullet point and list out what are the areas of your biological health that you feel like you're doing really well, that if you were to maintain this level of progress and frequency, then that would be part of what would contribute to a happy, healthy, stable lifestyle. And in red, we'll contrast that with areas for improvement. And so when we look at and we assess each of these three different areas, we can then determine, okay, 
what are the glaring red areas in my life that I need to create goals for, tangible, practical goals, so that moving forward before I dive into and before I enter business, I have an understanding of what my specific needs and my specific expectations are in order to become as holistically healthy and balanced and stabilized as possible before getting into business. All right. So this is a little bit of vulnerability for me to ask this, but I think I'm not alone in this and just working with business owners the last few years. Mm -hmm. And that's, we just get our identity wrapped up in our performance. And so if we have a good year, we feel good about ourselves. If we don't make an incentive trip or, you know, my goodness, it even goes up and down weekly with how numbers are. So how do we break that cycle and get away from who we are is not what we do at work? One thing that you might find time and time again, especially with people that wrap their identities into work, is there are oftentimes what we call core beliefs or fundamental foundational beliefs that we carry about ourselves, people around us, or the world around us as a whole. So oftentimes when I'm working with business owners, I'm encountering what we call negative core beliefs or negative fundamental foundational beliefs that are being reinforced unconsciously and not even being verbalized that people don't even realize. So for instance, some of the common negative core beliefs that I encounter with business owners are, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy of love, or I don't belong. These are three of the most common ones I encounter time and time again. So the idea of not being good enough causes people to propel into this cyclical pattern of feeling like they have to overcompensate and prove to themselves and people around them that they're good enough. So that might play out with financial ambitions, career pursuit, but overdoing it to a point where no matter how well you do, even if you achieved your Q4 goals, still not good enough because that underlying core belief is, I'm not good enough. I don't belong. People trying to overcompensate or prove to themselves or people around them that, yeah, I belong in this business. I belong here. I'm good enough. And I'm not worthy of love trying to prove that hey, if I can be successful enough or I can be ambitious enough or if I can win your approval, then maybe you'll gain favor in me and maybe I can kind of earn your love a little bit more. So oftentimes our negative core beliefs are part of what drives us to pursue all of these different ambitions and find our identity in things that can cause us to fall into these unhealthy cycles and loops. Yeah, that's a great I mean, response. Are you an agency owner looking to grow your revenue and increase your bottom line? Club Capital is here to help. Built for agents by agents, so we know your struggles. With accounting, payroll, and HR solutions, tax services, analytics, and more, let's get you on the path to serious success. Using data-driven insights, you'll grow your business based on revenue and expense comparisons alongside your top performing peers. With over $100 million in tracked annual revenue and $70 million in tracked annual expenses, we have the data to help you make better informed decisions for your agency. Let's make your back office less of a hassle and more of the strategic generator that powers the growth to take your agency and your leadership to the next level. Visit club.capital today to book your complimentary, no obligation demo. Club Capital, way more than a CPA firm. So let's say that you hear that, right? You know, like the three options and let's say that you identify with one. Let's just say that it's, I'm not good enough or I don't belong here, et cetera. Can you walk us through like maybe some thought exercises that you would advise somebody to actually practice once they identify with one of them? Yeah. So one common exercise that a lot of people find helpful is what we call reality checking. 
And reality checking simply looks like comparing your particular negative or insecure thought with the objective, realistic, factual, evidence-based nature of reality in the present moment. So say your particular, kind of like the example Chris used, negative core belief is, I'm not good enough. Reality check would look like, okay, do I have any evidence to prove or suggest that I'm not good enough? Have people verbalized that to me or told me that before in the past? What other evidence do I have to provide for myself to show that, hey, I'm good enough in all these other areas? Like I'm a loving father, friend, companion, whatever that is. So reality checking can kind of look like comparing the nature of reality and how you're actually operating in your present moment in life with some of the insecure thoughts that you might have. So I guess I want to ask this question around boundaries. So you can answer this a lot of different ways and there may be different strategies or tactics, but when we're connecting with our team members and we want to get to know them, there's a book that has gotten mentioned on this podcast multiple times, Radical Candor, about caring for people personally, but yet challenging them directly. And so that line is really hard sometimes. So sometimes your team becomes too good of friends with you. And so you can't challenge them as much as you would want to. And then there's other times where there's a huge disconnect. The team members don't know the agent. They don't know the owner. And so they feel aloof. They don't feel connected. And then you can even answer this as far as connection within our families and other things. So what are those boundaries, at least first of all, in the business world of how for us to be able to tiptoe that line of being close to our team, then us getting to know them, caring for them, supportive of them. I mean, I've got a couple of team members that are going through some really challenging times right now, some big hills to climb. We had a podcast that's going to be coming out with Joel Laird and he talks about skill, will, or hill. And, you know, a couple of my team members don't say names, but I mean, they're going through some hills right now. And so you want to be there. So what is that boundary and how do we navigate that? Before even talking about boundaries, I think it's important to kind of recognize that when it comes to both personal and professional development, it's important to have core people on your team. And what I mean by that is one thing that I've adopted in my professional and personal business life is I have three core people in my professional life and in my personal life that keep me accountable to the different goals that I try to achieve for myself. So we use this model a lot in. I'm referencing sort of like a Christian term, but it can also be applied across the board in all business model contexts. But essentially, there's this whole trifecta relationship dynamic called the Paul-Timothy-Barnabas analogy. And essentially, it holds this premise that it's helpful to have three core members in your life. A Pauline figure, someone who's sort of a mentor figure, a Barnabas or an encourager. So that's someone who is at the same level as you professionally in terms of development, maturity level, skill level, who can keep you accountable to the goals that you set for yourself. And a Timothy type figure, someone who is sort of like a mentee, someone that you can pour into and invest in yourself. And what I actually do is in my professional life, I have each of these three core groups that I interact with on a regular basis. I have a mentor peer supervision group filled with counselors who mentor me and pour into my life and feed me. They're about to be retired. They're in their 70s. They've been practicing for 50 plus years and they just want to pour and invest in me. I have my own peer supervision group that keeps me accountable to my own professional goals, my own business goals that I achieve for myself and my Q1, Q2, Q3, and Q4 goals. They keep me accountable to those things. 
And I have my Timothy group or my mentee group of graduate students that I invest in and I pour into and teach about counseling specifically. So even from a professional standpoint, it helps to have that sort of trifecta so that you're allocating and distributing your expectations and what you need from your own professional environment across the board instead of expecting too much or too little from one particular person or one particular group of individuals. So how do you go about number one, selecting those people? And number two, like, I guess, organizing the actual activities to make sure that those three core people or like those three core groups of people that you actually keep them engaged so that you're constantly invested in the people that you're mentoring, but mm-hmm. also that you're meeting consistently enough with the people that are on your level and for lack of a better word, above you that want to see you succeed. Yeah. How do you maintain those relationships? So first and foremost, it's important to be introspective. So before you even initiate or reach out to certain individuals that you want to kind of integrate into this sort of core group or part of your team, you first have to have an assessment of what are my expectations, right? Some business owners will map these out by quarterly kind of goal or thing that they want to achieve for themselves. Like, hey, Q1, I want to hit these goals. Q2, I want to hit these goals. Q3, Q4. Other people will kind of generate sort of basic skill development things that they want to work on in themselves and go, okay, I need to take this course or I need to pursue this particular certification or I need to do this and this and this. So what I typically recommend is creating a targeted specific list of all the different things that you want to grow and mature and develop in prior to reaching out to certain individuals. Because first you need to kind of data gather and get an assessment of what are all the areas that I want to grow in? What do I want to improve on, right? Is it public speaking versus marketing versus whatever those goals are for yourself? You have to have an assessment of where you want to see yourself go and create a vision first before reaching out to certain individuals. Then from that point, you can kind of plan out and map out based on certain particular professionals or colleagues that are in your natural social environment to get an assessment of, oh, this person's great at this. Maybe he can keep me accountable in this area that I'm weak in, but he's strong in. And together we can keep each other accountable in different areas of growth. And being able to figure out who is able to kind of help you grow in specific areas versus keep you accountable. And then also maybe people who aren't as developed as you professionally that you can pour into as well. Yeah, I never thought about it. Having somebody to help you grow versus somebody else helping hold you accountable. I think that's pretty interesting to have different people to be able to do different things in your life. Why is there such a stigma around mental health? I mean, it's improving. I know that there was a couple of basketball players, Kevin Love, another player that was uh, for the Raptors. He now plays for the Spurs. I'm sure somebody listening to the podcast can remember who I'm thinking about. But So there's more athletes sort of coming out talking about that, but there's been a stigma around it for a long time, especially with men. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, that has a lot to do with your childhood and upbringing, essentially. And this is something I find myself frequently talking about with every single one of my clients. One thing that frequently happens in family dynamics across the board is the deprioritization of emotional awareness. So depending on the family background that you grew up in and your childhood and how your parents communicate and interpret and transactionally share their thoughts and feelings and emotions with you, kids pick up certain types of messages over a period of time. And they pick up certain behavioral patterns, whether functional or dysfunctional, that they then carry on with them through a lifespan. 
So essentially, a lot of our reservations and hesitations when it comes to mental health can sometimes come from just the dysfunction of what we experience in our own family dynamics and not being able to recognize the importance or the helpfulness of being able to process how you're thinking and feeling. I find myself talking to all of my clients about this on a regular basis because one thing that's kind of a recognized thing is that psychology in general is considered a westernized philosophical ideological way of thinking. And when you even think about minority cultures across the board, there's typically different cultural norms that are practiced from family dynamic to family dynamic. So when you throw in the complexities of culture, tradition, values, family relationship patterns, all of those things can kind of create this complicated conglomerate experience where one individual has learned specific messages about how and why they should or shouldn't avoid their own feelings and their emotions. And over time, I think as a society, we develop this pattern and this tendency of deprioritizing our feelings and emotions in favor of prioritizing task or goal-oriented actions, things that show quantifiably measurable results. I'm going to butcher this so bad, but there's a philosopher who said that we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. And that was Aristotle who said that, which leads to my next question, which is what's something that people can do every day or consistently to improve their mental health? Gosh, there's so many different things out there. I mean, some tiny habits, some tiny habits that take very little effort, but can have a huge impact. Yeah. Honestly, one specific thing that a lot of people avoid but end up finding really helpful once they start practicing is journaling. And I know this sounds like something that is cliche or that a lot of people hear that you should do and is important, but don't do. But the reality is, if we invite opportunities and experiences where we can engage with our internal state of being, that opens the door and provides you with an opportunity of being able to tap into something deeper that's going on inside of us that you might be avoiding or you might be escaping. And the more you're able to practice those habits over and over again, the more frequently you'll want to challenge yourself to grow in that. I love that quote that you just referenced, Chris, because the reality is we are formed by our habits. And this goes back to brain science at the core, right? So I talk to my clients a lot about this concept called neuroplasticity. It's basically this idea that you can rewire and reorient the neuropathways in your brain to learn and adapt to and accommodate for healthier lifestyle patterns and behaviors. But the way that it works is the reward system in our brain has to be triggered. We have to experience the emotional gratification and satisfaction of an experience. And through that, the neuropathways in our brain rewire accordingly so that we can accommodate for that new behavior because there's an association in our brain that kind of connects things together and goes, huh, this was a pretty good experience. Let me keep doing that. Or wow, that was really healthy for me. Or wow, I need to keep doing this. This is good. I feel better now. And all these different associations we build based on new habits, even if it's just 10 to 15 minute habits like journaling, help us rewire our neural pathways and help challenge us to want to become more and to do more in favor of becoming a healthier person over time. So I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't know how I was going to bring it up, but I wanted to ask you about that. And so can you also just touch on meditation, meditating, and just 
its benefits. I've not done that. I've wanted to do it. I think I've downloaded Headspace the app three, four times, do it for 10 minutes and delete it. You know, I've just not been able to find a way to integrate it into really what Chris was saying earlier into a habit. Yeah. Meditation is great and it falls into this principle or this concept that we talk about all the time in therapy called mindfulness. And mindfulness is essentially this idea of increasing your sense of self-awareness. And by self-awareness, I'm really referring to three core things, right? Your thoughts, your emotions, and your body sensations. So body sensations, what people oftentimes don't recognize is that when they're stressed, when they're worried, when they're anxious, different parts of their body are tense, right? I don't know if either of you ever see a masseuse. I have a masseuse that I have kind of consult with on a weekly basis. <laughs> but <Consult with> <laughs> anyways, <laughs> certain parts of your body tense up when you're stressed, right? And we know from science that people that typically struggle with anxiety get gastrointestinal issues because there's a nerve that connects your stomach to your brain. It's called the vagus nerve system, which is why a lot of people that get anxious or worried a lot get stomach aches, get a lot of gastrointestinal issues, right? So body sensations, feelings, how are you feeling in the present moment? Side note, I have this thing called the feelings word checklist that I offer all of my clients. And it essentially is a whole list of over 120 different emotionally adjectival words to describe the specific emotion that you're experiencing in the present moment based on the level of intensity and severity right here, right now. So emotions and then thoughts. What are your present thought patterns? What are you thinking? Are you having self-conscious thoughts, insecure thoughts? What's going on in the moment, right? So when we meditate or we engage in all these different mindfulness activities, it challenges us to become more and more aware of our internal state of being, which in turn helps us because the more aware you are, the more you're able to explore and identify solutions for targeting specific stressors and specific things that are troubling you on a regular basis. I know you have a website, so I'm wondering if you have like that PDF, if you have it anywhere in your website as a downloadable. I don't, but that's a great idea. I'm going to plug it in. Yeah, yeah, we can definitely do that. That way our listeners can just simply download it and then that can help them get some as funny as this might sound, but like literally words that can mm-hmm. then help them better understand how they're feeling, which is quite frankly, like more than 50% of the battle, because if you don't understand how you're feeling, then, mm-hmm. and this is obviously something that I learned through therapy, then you're just like stuck because then you don't really have a way of improving the situation because you don't even know objectively what the situation is. So we'll definitely plug that in. But Bradley's a golfer, so he came up with this thing called the E9, which is an emergency nine, which are world famous, by the way. The world famous the E9. World. Are you ready for this, John? Ready for it. <clears throat> Rapid fire questions. All right. Last book that you read. Ooh, The Obsession by Nora Roberts. Mm, okay. What's that Good book about? Thriller. Good crime thriller. I don't want to freak people out by going into the details, but it's, really <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. about this girl that finds out that her father was a serial killer and oh God. her brother goes into the FBI and becomes an investigator when she gets older. And then she finds herself in this sort of quandary of issues as she gets older that kind of happened. I'm not going to ruin the plot, but great book. Cool, man. That sounds like a book that reads like a movie. 
what book or podcast would you recommend the most to others? There's actually a really great podcast. It's called the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. I've been listening to it for quite some time now. Great, very practical, very pragmatic in their application for handling different types of business-related and leadership challenges and issues. And they go a lot into like personality dynamics, how to find out how to deal with certain things based on your personality and how you're wired. And yeah, it's really good. All right. So you're an entrepreneur, you're a small business owner, but if you were not doing what you do now, what do you think you would be doing? So many things. <laughs> Honestly, I would probably be a teacher because I genuinely love inspiring people, offering insight and allowing people to explore new concepts and process it. I could have also said food critic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm a very big foodie. Oh, yes. And my other one would be FBI. That would be awesome. <laughs> who inspires you? Who do you follow? I follow a lot of people. That's a great question. Honestly, right now, I would have to say, I've been following Carrie Newhoff a lot. I've been listening to a lot of his messages, but also reading up on some things that he's recommended. And I just noticed that whenever he makes a recommendation, like a book resource referral, I always find myself like falling in love with whatever he's trying to teach me. So for now, it's Carrie Newhoff. So we love asking people about travel. I love to travel. I've been <laughs> fortunate to see a lot of the world. What's the favorite place that you've traveled to? Japan. Can you tell them why? <laughs> I was able to go to my dream restaurant. So there's this place called Jiro. Well, there's a Netflix documentary on it called Jiro Dreams of Sushi. But the best sushi dojo master in the world uh, in Tokyo. I was able wow. to eat from his restaurant in November. That was a phenomenal experience. I usually have sushi cravings three to four times a week. And ever since I went to his restaurant, he has permanently satiated my craving for sushi that was the wow absolute standard of perfection that's cool that's awesome i love stories like that what's the one thing that you cannot live without food <laughs> <laughs> all right club capital forward leaning leverages technology john your favorite piece of technology that you're using today and you can't say your cell phone unless it's an app Honestly, my iPad, because if I'm trying to chill or relax when I'm out in nature, I love being able to kind of like read and just kind of scroll through pages. What is your favorite non-work hobby? So hiking is probably one of my top ones. I love exploring and trying out new places. I love majestic scenery. I love nature. I love being by trees and water. I love visiting new places. So hiking is one of the top ones. All right. It's the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. What's the best piece of leadership advice you've ever been given? Off the top of my head, probably the best one I can come up with at the moment is to never be afraid to ask for help. And I say that partly because I'm very type A, very ambitious, very goal-oriented, and I like to achieve and achieve and achieve. And I found myself in ruts in the past where... I've had a hard time asking for help and I've tried to do things on my own or in my own power. And I've just found that it's just a lot easier to be self-aware and to ask people in your team to help you out with certain things you need it. John, this has been awesome. Uh, love that we were able to have you on. 
You know, I mean, I think self-care, mental health, just taking care of ourselves is really a discipline because, you know, as they tell you when you get on the airplane, you got to put your oxygen mask on first. And I think that this has been fantastic. If people want to know, connect with you, how's the best way for them to be able to do that? So the best way would be you can either email me. So my email is pretty short and simple. It's John Lee, J-O-N-L-E at anchorpointpc.com. I also have a website and it's www.anchorpointpc.com. And I have a contact page that you can simply just put in your info, send me a message and I'll get right back to you as soon as I can. Awesome. This has been fantastic. Chris, any final words? Thank you. Thank you so much, John, for coming here and just blessing us with all this knowledge on mental health. I think it's something that we don't talk about enough. And I'm happy that we made time for it and that our listeners are getting to hear your expertise on it as well. So thank you so much, John. Yeah, thanks for having me. Bradley, great podcast, great guest. Once again, I'm a huge advocate of mental health and I just don't think that it gets talked about enough, especially in the world of business. So I just love how John came here and gave us a lot of knowledge, a lot of education and actionable steps on how we can improve our mental health. What are some takeaways that you got from it? A ton. I mean, I took away a ton from this podcast and I think a lot of people will. You've got to be able to take care of the mental health side because if you're not good, if you don't put your oxygen mask on first, you're not going to be good enough for anybody else. And that's, listen, as a business owner, you have a lot of people relying on you. I mean, you have your entire team, which on average is going to be somewhere between three and 10 people. Then you have all of your customers. I mean, you're thousands of customers that relate to you as an insurance agency owner, your face is on billboards and everything else. And so they're expecting you to be a certain way. And then you have your family and then being a good friend. I mean, it's a lot. So I think that mental health is something that I certainly overlooked for a really long time. And he just gave so many great tips in here about journaling. And of course, I asked a lot of questions because I was pretty interested. So, hey, kudos to you, Chris, for getting him on. I think he did a fantastic. If you're interested, we just want to talk to John and find out how he can maybe help you. Go to anchorpointpc.com. He's got a great looking website there, anchorpointpc.com. And check out John Lee. Enjoyed having him on. Chris, until next time, lead well. And stay classy.